0: All right. uh, this morning we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be wrapping up the book of Colossians this week. Uh, I I say that. Next week we're actually going to be spending some time just kind of going back through and reviewing some of the things that we've learned and, and having some time of discussion. But this week will be kind of the last week that we're going to be preaching out of the book of Colossians. Okay, and so... Uh, In review so far, again, what we've seen is that in Colossians chapter 1 and 2, right, it's very doctrinal in nature. We see Christ as the fullness of God, and then as believers, we see that we are complete in Him. Okay. We get into Colossians chapter 3 and 4, and we see that it's very practical in nature, very boots-on-the-ground type instruction. We've been going through Colossians chapter 4 these last few weeks. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, we saw Paul's instruction in prayer in Colossians chapter 5 and uh, I'm sorry Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 and 6 we saw the need to be both wise in our conduct right prudent in our conduct and gracious in our conversation and then last week we started into really this last section of the book what we might call the, the final greetings and we saw that the focus there was on Paul's companions in the ministry and we said that was part 1 now, if you recall last week, we we tried to first define for us, right, why does God actually spend time to record these men for us in Scripture, okay? And so we said that, you know, number one, Paul was actually commending, he was vouching for these men to the churches, right? Back then, the, the canon of Scripture was not complete, and so the churches needed to know, man, who can you trust, right? Who is one of you who's going to speak to you in faith, who's going to tell you the truth, who can you trust? And so Paul was actually vouching for them, okay? Okay. Uh, but for us today, right, God records this for us so that we can identify, right, the character of true ministers, okay? And that's so that we can, one, examine ourselves, and two, so that we can examine others, right, those who we're going to serve with, those who we're going to connect with in the ministry. And then number three, we said that God records this for us so that to remind us that we are never alone in the ministry, and so that should both encourage us to know that, look, God has never left us, nor will God leave us alone amongst his people, but it should also humble us, right? We, when we see or we, we receive um, success or praise in the ministry, when we see fruit in the ministry, right, it's never because of us alone, right? There have been countless others who have invested in our lives who make it possible for us to do what we do. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm standing here today because of more people than I that would have time to name here today, right? Who have invested in me over time, who made it possible for me just to be up here this morning and to be able to speak and to share with you guys, okay? So last week, uh, we started into Paul's companions in ministry, right? And we looked at four different guys. The first was Tychicus. Right, and we said that Tychicus was the faithful messenger, right? He was the man that, that penned and delivered the letter to the Ephesians and the Colossians. And he teaches us, right, that we ought to be faithful messengers of God's word, right? And whatever it is that we do, in whatever branch of ministry that we serve, right? From from kid town to connections to hospitality to security to the discipleship team to life fellowship. Everything that we do is to be messengers of reconciliation for God. Okay? Uh, the next guy we looked at was uh, Onesimus. I always want to call him Onesimus, but his name is pronounced Onesimus. And he was the fugitive man, right? He was the runaway slave that stole from his master Philemon. He escaped to Rome, and it was there that he met the Apostle Paul and was one to Christ. Um, Onesimus teaches us faithfulness, right? Onesimus, at one point in his life, he was unfaithful. He was unfaithful to his master Philemon. He was unfaithful and unprofitable to the ministry, and yet he was one to Christ, right? and all of a sudden he became faithful to what the Word of God had to say. He was faithful to Paul, and in his return to Philemon, right, he proved himself faithful to Philemon. Okay. Uh, the next man we looked at was uh, Aristarchus. Right? He was the loyal friend, if you recall. Right, He traveled with Paul during the Apostles' third missionary journey. He traveled with Paul um, and was a prisoner with Paul at Rome. And he teaches us loyalty, right? Despite all of the hardships that this man faced simply for being a companion of Paul, right, he remained by the Apostles' side throughout, again, his third missionary journey, throughout his, his journey to Rome and during his time there at Rome. Okay? We saw that he was the friend that, that stuck closer than a brother that, that we see described for us there in Proverbs chapter 18. Right, and the final guy that we looked at was Marcus, right? Marcus was the redeemed man, right? He accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their outset of their first missionary journey. Right? He later abandoned them when, when things got tough and he returned home. Right? And in time, we saw that Marcus, he actually redeemed himself, right? He became profitable to both Barnabas and to Paul, right? And to the ministry we're into God had called him, right? He was the author of the book of Mark, and he teaches us that, you know what, our past failures don't have to define us, right? If God can forgive us, then we ought to forgive ourselves, we ought to forgive others, and move forward in faith, okay? So those were the guys we looked at last week. We're going to kind of hop in here right in the middle of the passage, um, just to save time. I'm not going to read the whole thing we we were at last week. Uh, We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm going to go ahead and read it for us here. Can you guys turn that down just a hair? I feel like I'm echoing up here. Yeah, thanks. All right, Colossians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, he saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and for them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are at are in Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause it to be read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Um, again, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that, God, you have recorded these men and the history of your word, Lord, that we get to see and examine their lives. And, and though there are few words written about most of these men, Lord, Uh, your word is so deep and it tells us so much and father these are men that that are examples of what we should be doing what we should not be doing and so father help open our eyes help open our ears lord this morning Lord, we want to meet with you we want to see these guys for who they were we want to see how you worked in their lives we want to learn from them and father we want to be changed um if all i do is stand up here this morning and, and speak lord and and Nobody has changed from your word, then, Lord, all that we did here this morning was in vain. And so, again, Lord, help us to humble ourselves, help us to examine ourselves in light of your word here this morning. And God, we pray that that in advance you would get all the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the first guy we're going to look at this morning, this is Jesus, and he is called Justice. Okay? And uh, I've deemed him the comforter. Okay? Justice is the uh, the Greek name for the Hebrew name Joshua, right, which is transliterated as Jesus. It's speculated by some that this man he changed his name from Jesus to justice in honor of his Savior, okay? So his name, Justice, it means just or upright, right? His first and only mention we see right here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 11, right, where he is with Paul in Rome during Paul's first Roman imprisonment, Okay. So here's what we know about him, right? On the surface, it doesn't look like we know much, right? As I said, right, the first and only mention of him is here, right, um, in Colossians 4.11. That name, Justice, it appears two other times in Scripture, but it's not actually talking about the same man. Um, What we do know about him from verse 11 is that he was Jewish, right? We see that he, along with Marcus, right, were of the circumcision, right, indicating that they were Jewish. And Paul calls him a fellow worker unto the kingdom. Okay, so regarding his acts, again, all we have to go off of is what we have here in Colossians 4.11, but it says that he was a comfort to Paul during his first Roman imprisonment. Colossians 4.11, it says, "...in Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me." So the fact that he was a comfort to Paul actually does give us quite a bit of insight about him, right? It lets us know that number one, he himself had personally experienced God's comfort in and over his life and number two, it lets us know that he was a man of the word right? He knew the scriptures and by faith he had received them. He was trusting on them right? And you say, well, well, how do you know that from verse 11? Turn with me 2 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 3, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You see, in order for us to comfort others, we have to first experience the comfort of God. And it's as we experience God's comfort that he enables us to then, in turn, comfort others. Does everybody see that? Are we awake here this morning? Kind of? All right. All right, so how do we experience the comfort of God, right? Romans 15, 4, it tells us, for, whosoever, or for whatsoever things were written aforetime... They were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Right? It's through the Scriptures that God gives us comfort. In other words, right? God comforts us by speaking to us through His Word. Um, I remember, you know, as a as a young believer in Christ, the first time that I I lost someone, right? That was very close to me, and. And like anybody who loses someone close to them, right, you, you've got questions, right? Why did this happen? Why did it happen at this time, right? I, you know, you, you don't understand. Where are they going? Will I see them again? When will I be with them again, right? Where are they, right? Are they with the Lord? Are they in the grave? Like, what's going on here? And so I had all these questions, and I remember a, a mature believer in the faith, right? They took me aside, and they took me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, and it and it says this, he says, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, right? That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, right? Even so, them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. I skip on down to verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words, right? So for me, man, this was an incredible promise. This was an incredible comfort to me, right? To know that, you know what, those who had passed on before me, that too, were believers in Christ, that you know what, that wasn't a permanent goodbye, right? It was just an I'll see you later, right? That one day... Christ was going to come back for me and that, you know what, those who had passed on before me were going to rise first and I would meet them together with the Lord in the clouds. And so should we forever be with the Lord. Right. That was a great comfort for me. And over the years, God has used those words and enabled me to turn and then comfort others who have lost people. Right. Do you all see that? Okay. So what can we learn from Justice. Right? What can we learn from this man? And, and I've put here, right, our responsibility to comfort others. Right? Our responsibility as believers to comfort others. In Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3, the Lord says, Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Now we exhort you, brethren warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient towards all men. So question for thought here this morning is what can you point to in the scriptures that has been a comfort to you? All right? what can you point to in the scriptures that has been a comfort to you? And if your answer is, well, geez, I, I don't know, all right, then I want you to ask yourself, right, when 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 trials and tribulations come into your own life, right, do you run to the Word of God or do you run to the world? Right, do you run to the lost? You see, the world can offer you no comfort. All right, sure, someone can come and, and they can pat you on the back and they can tell you, hey, everything's gonna be alright. Everything's gonna be alright, but The truth is, is apart from Christ and the promises of God's word, right? What guarantee do any of us have that anything's going to be all right? That anything's going to work out the way that it should, that you know what? It's going to turn out, it's going to be fair and it's going to be right. And one day there's going to be no more sin. There's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more death, right? That one day all this flesh, all the sin, every bad thing in this life is going to go away. That you know what, one day I'm gonna actually get to be with those who I've loved, those who I've passed on before me, right? That I'm gonna get to meet my Savior in the in the clouds, right? Outside of the promises in God's word, what what hope do we have? The answer is nothing, right? Apart from Christ and His Word, we have no hope. There's no promises of a better future. There is no comfort. Let's move on. Uh, our next man here this morning is Epaphras. Epaphras, right? And Epaphras, I've labeled him as the servant leader. Servant leader. Right? His first mention is here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. Um, like Justice, he is with Paul in Rome during the Apostles' first Roman imprisonment. Here's what we know about Epaphras, right? Paul calls him his fellow servant. He is a fellow prisoner and a faithful minister, right? He was with Paul when he wrote the epistle to the Colossians. He was a disciple and he was likely the founder and first pastor of the Colossians church. We see in Colossians chapter 4 verse 12 that Paul indicates that he was of the Colossian church. In Colossians 1, 7, right, Paul taught that he was a faithful minister to the church And then in Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, we see that he had a great zeal for the church and that he labored fervently for them in prayers. Okay? So regarding his acts, right, he came to Rome to acquaint Paul with what was happening at the Colossians church, right? And while he was there, he served and ministered unto Paul. So what can we learn from Epaphras, right? Uh, What can we learn from Epaphras? And that is how to be a servant leader. Right, how to be a servant leader. Okay, as the leader of this Colossians church, right, Epaphras, he left the church, and we'll see uh, here in just a bit that, that he left the church. He did not abandon the church, but he himself, he left the church to travel to Rome and to meet Paul to bring him a report of what was happening there at Colossae, right, some of the heretical teachings that were infiltrating the church, and to, to seek advice, right, to get wisdom from Paul on how to handle these things. Okay, and so while he was there, he served Paul during his time of need, right? He humbled himself, and he himself became a prisoner and a servant to Paul. And so Epaphras, he exemplifies for us servant leadership, right? The idea that being in a position of leadership, right, is not a license to go and lord over people, but to serve them. Right, Epaphras, he left the church of Glossi to serve them by seeking God's direction through Paul. And in the process of doing such, right, he humbled himself and served Paul. Jesus himself was the greatest example that we have in all scripture of servant leadership. Right, and he taught us as much in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. But Jesus called unto them and he said unto them, "Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they, have great, are, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever shall, are, will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, came not to be served, but to minister and to serve, to give his life a ransom for many." And so a question for thought here this morning is, do I view myself as a servant? Right, do I look for others to serve me, or do I look to how I can serve others? Right, Epaphras was certainly a man that looked how he could serve others. All right. Moving on, Luke is our next man here this morning. Luke. Right, you'll see Luke uh, referred to as Lucius and Lucas also in your Bible. Uh, I've labeled him as the beloved physician. All right His name means luminous or white. and he is first mentioned by name in Colossians chapter 4 verse 14, right where he too is with Paul in Rome. All right I see he's first mentioned by name. He actually shows up first time in the book of Acts All right Acts chapter 16 verses 10 and 11. this is during Paul's second missionary trip right uh, during the leg that's from Troas to Philippi and Um, To see that, right, when you go through the book of Acts, you you have to to note the pronouns that are in there. Okay, Um, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And so when you see words like we and us, right, he's including himself in what's happening there in the book of Acts. So real quick, just to give you an example of that, Acts chapter 16, verse 10 says, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we... Right? Immediately, we, Luke, the author, Paul, and others, endeavor to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course uh, to Samothracia, and the next day unto Neapolis. Okay? So what do we know about Luke, right? Paul calls him a fellow laborer, right? We know that he was a Gentile and he was a physician, Right, it's probable that he was a physician there in Troas where he was converted by Paul. So regarding his acts, right, there's, there's quite a bit that we know about Luke. He was a companion of Paul during um, both his second and third missionary journeys. Right? A companion at times. Right? What you actually see when you, when you follow the pronouns closely is that there are times when he'll be with Paul and there's times that he drops off. right. And what, what's happening here is there's times where Paul would actually leave Luke behind to minister at the cities where they were at, right? As Paul continued on forward in the journey, Luke was left behind to actually continue the ministry that Paul had started there, okay? Um, again, we know that he was a physician that he labored with and that he served Paul. He likely used his gifts as a physician to serve Paul and others in the ministry, right? We know that, that Paul wasn't a physically well man, Right? He had been beaten and battered numerous times, right? We know that he had been arrested and imprisoned in various places and, and treated very harshly. Um, we know that he had been shipwrecked on more than one occasion, right? And he carried with him some kind of handicap or what he called an infirmity in the flesh. And so we see that, that Paul throughout the Scriptures, right, notably throughout the book of Acts, right, he, he certainly had a need of a physician, and that's where, where Luke really came in. Uh, We know that Luke was with Paul during both, again, his first and second Roman imprisonments. In fact, he is the only one that remained with him during his second Roman imprisonment. Uh, We know that he traveled with uh, Paul to Rome um, during his first Roman imprisonment. We also know that Luke was a historian, right? Luke authored the, uh, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, and if you just kind of read through those books and you pay attention to the writing style, right? We know that he was very ordered. He was very meticulous in his writing. Okay, so what can we learn from Luke? Right? What can we learn from Luke? And that is to faithfully serve God with the gifts he has given us. Right? To faithfully serve God with the gifts he has given us. Right? Luke was a physician, and he used his gifts, he used his, his talents, his skills, and his abilities as a physician to minister to Paul and to others. Um, I've got here up on the, if you go to the next slide for me, up on the screen here, um, some of you guys may know who this is. So this is uh, Chris Weaver, and this is his wife Joni here in the middle. They are, are missionaries to uh, the country of Malawi. They're from a Northwest Bible church there in Ohio, um, I've been to Malawi a couple times, had a privilege of getting to meet those guys. They've actually been here at MBT um, and spoken during some of our mission-focused conferences. But um, if you don't know Chris's story, right, Chris is a really really unique guy. He's a guy with a, uh, a business and an IT background, okay? And so uh, many, many years ago, uh, Chris was invited to go on a trip to Malawi, uh, him and his wife, and they went over there just on a short-term mission trip with... Uh, uh, just the idea that they were going to go over there and serve however God wanted to, uh, to use them, and so they did. Um, and then they, they started going back kind of year after year, and they really got a burden, a heart for Malawi um, to go there. But, but Chris's thought was, look, I'm a, I'm a businessman. I'm an IT guy, right? There's, there's not really much I can do with a business degree and an IT background there in Malawi, right? It's a third-world country there are not a lot of businesses, there's certainly not a lot of internet technology or need for those kind of professionals, um, but he was burdened, right, he was burdened to go there and to serve, um, they grew a, a heart for the people and the work that God was trying to do there, and so um, this was a man that just got full of faith and said, well, okay, here's what Malawi needs, I know what Malawi needs, they, they need food, right, that's the, <laughs> that's the biggest thing that they need, the people are starving, and so man, what can I do as a businessman to help get them food? Well, you know what they need to learn how to do? They need to learn how to grow food, right? Because they're, they're doing farming practices that are 2,000 years old, and so it, they're not actually yielding much in terms of crops. And so I don't know anything about farming, but I know business, right? And so I know how to make contacts, and I know how to go out and find the right people and put those people together and form teams and make the connections that we need. And I know supply chain, Right? I know how we can get what we need in here and use the the people and the resources and the equipment that we have, which is, the equipment is basically your hands, right? I know how to put that together. And so this is a man that just got full of faith and him and his wife, they left to go over there in Malawi and they started what's called the Elijah Project, right? It's part of the uh, the, the church, Pastor Palera, that, that we support there in Malawi and underneath him, one of the branches of the Passion Center is the Elijah Project. And this is, it's Awesome. What they what they did is they um, they took a small field and they started um, they, they hired a man that really knew what he was doing in terms of farming practices and they started teaching the people how to grow food, right? And so they would bring them in and they, they would bring people in from the church, and most of the people in Malawi don't don't have uh, jobs or certainly not consistent jobs. And so they said, Hey, we'll hire you, we'll put you to work. And what you're going to do here is you're going to grow two rows of crops. And those two rows of crops, you're going to be able to feed your family for a year off of those two rows of crops, right? Whether or not you you eat that food directly or you're able to sell that food for money. And in this third row of crops, we're going to use that, and you're going to actually tithe back to the church. Now, you guys know simple math. Um, Tithe is a tenth, right? So if I'm taking a third row of crops, what's that? It's a third, right? It's a third, but you're going to tithe back to the church with this third row of crops, right? And we're going to put you to work, and this has changed people's lives, right? And so it started off with just a few rows of crops. And and Jared, if you could, cue the video for me here. Um, there's a video. Some of you guys may have seen this. It, it has actually been shared at the church before, but this is kind of a a short clip of we are in Malawi. the
1: thing, It seems it has affected much of the uh, city people, unlike here in the whole area. But still we have had a chance uh, to hire, at least maybe 100, 110, 120 people that have had a chance to get uh, some kind of opportunity to work here. Uh, we are growing this mess. Uh, it's a benefit to us because it's for a city. We have to sell it to a big company and uh, at the same time uh, we have also had a chance to provide work to people to produce this. We have very lots of vegetables, tomatoes, radish, spinach, cauliflower, blueberry, green peppers, just to mention a few. So these vegetables are grown here using the local people around, of course we have some trained people, but we are also using the local people around and the whole intention is to provide opportunities of work to the people around here. season 2021 and we wanted to give you an idea of what god is doing on this farm you'll notice the symmetry the quality the straight lines all done by hand this is all a demonstration of our lord and savior jesus christ god is a god of quality and efficiency and that's what we wanted to try to demonstrate here so hopefully you can see what god is doing Wallace and his team have taken painstaking efforts to make sure that everything is lined up and as it is planned and then manage it that way. the people the lives that are being changed because they have a job in the middle of this coronavirus activity as wallace already said god is blessing us above more than we can imagine so we're just glad that you could you could see from uh, an aerial perspective and on the ground what's going on here we love you and we thank you so much for your support over the years and i wanted you to see what has been the result of that and so thank you once
0: again So this is, uh, I mean, it's just incredible what, what God has done in just a handful of years. Kenny can testify this. We were there just a few years ago. Just how much that has grown and expanded just since the time we were there, right? And what's amazing is they literally do all of that by hand. There is no major machinery. Um, they hand dig those plants. They literally will dig holes with their hands. They water those plants one by one by hand. Um, all of it's done by hand, and yet it's provided jobs for hundreds of believers in the churches there in Malawi. right? And God is using that to feed them and sustain them. And so I, I give you this example just as one man who took the skills, the talents, the gifts that God had given him, and he just got full of faith and said, man, God, however you want to use this. what I've, I've got a heart for this. You've put Malawi on my heart, and I just want to serve you. And so you know what? However and whatever. And God has taken this man's faith. And just done an incredible work and continues to do that there in Malawi. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it tells us this. It says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily, right? Do it with your whole heart, as unto the Lord and not unto men, right? And whatever you do and whatever God has blessed you with, right? Use it to serve him with your whole heart. So question for thought here this morning is, how would God have me to serve him, Right. And to minister to others with the gifts that he has given me. Right. How would God have me to serve him to minister to others with the gifts that he has given me? All right. So our next man here this morning that we're going to look at is Demas. Demas is the worldly man. Okay, his name means popular, which is um, really fitting for someone that we would think of as worldly. Right, he's first mentioned here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. Right, he was there with Paul, again, during his first Roman imprisonment. And here's what we know about him, right? At one point, Paul called him a fellow laborer, right? He was obviously a companion of Paul. He's there again um, during his first journey to Rome. He was a companion and fellow laborer with uh, Paul during his first Roman imprisonment. But later, he abandoned Paul during his second Roman imprisonment for what Paul calls his love of the world. Okay? So what can we learn from Demas? Right. Well, we could talk about the need to persevere, but I don't really think that hits the nail on the head from what we know about him. It wasn't hardship, it wasn't trials or tribulations that, that drove him away or caused him to fall away, but it was his love for the world. All right, so what we can learn is not to love the world, but to set our love, to set our affections on things above, right? We receive that instruction there in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Then in 1 John 2.15, it says this, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world it passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So, question for lot here this morning is: What do I love that keeps me from serving God and ministering to others? What things do I love? My my money, my possessions, right? The the need to make a name for myself in this life, right? What things do I love that keep me from serving God and ministering to others? All right, moving along. Our next man here this morning is Nymphus. And he is the hospitable man. He is the hospitable man. His name means spouse or bridegroom and uh, you certainly can see how he lives up to that. Um, this first and only mention is here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 15. Paul says, Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphis and the church which is in his house. Okay, and so what do we know about him? Again, from, from verse 15, we know that he was a member of the church at Laodicea. In fact, he is the only believer that we see named from this church of Laodicea in the scriptures. Um, Laodicea, we know, obviously became infamous for uh, during the next generation in particular for its wealth and its worldliness. Uh, We can read about that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Um, But we know about Nymphos is that he was a fruitful man, right? He was a fruitful man. He hosted the church in his home. And that would have entailed that the body of believers gathering together to pray together, to worship together, to study the word of God together. And it's very likely that, you know, what souls were won to Christ during this time. And so what can we learn from Nymphas? Right, and what we can learn is to faithfully serve God with the possessions he has given us. Right to faithfully serve God with the possessions he's given us. Right from Luke we learn to serve God with the gifts or the talents that he's blessed us with and from Nehemiah we learn to serve God with the possessions that he's given us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 God says this, "For who make thee to differ from another? And get this, what hast thou that thou didst not receive?" Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? All right, he's asking the question, right? What do you have? What do you possess that was not given to you? Right? And the answer, obviously, is nothing, right? You say, well, wait a minute. I, I worked really hard for the things that I have. Well, you know what? There are other people in life who work just as hard, if not harder than you, that don't have near as much as what you have, right? Everything that we have is of the Lord, in First Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen, God says, "What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye were bought with a price; therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's." Right? It's um, it's such a uh, such a crazy thing for me to see believers who who walk around in life and. And they would acknowledge this. They would say, yeah, yeah, God bought me with a price. I am God's. And yet they live their life to say, well, you know what? My possessions are mine, not God's. Y- yes, God owns me, but I own my cars. God owns me, but, but that's my house. Those are my possessions. Those are my things, right? God owns me, but not the things that I own, right? And you realize how ridiculous that is? Right? Even my children understand that. Well, hey, look, if God bought me, well, then God owns everything that I own. right? And so the only question I should be asking is, what would God have me to do with what's His? Right? And I ought to use the possessions that God has given me to serve Him. Whether that's my home, whether that's my cars, whether that's my finances, whatever it is that God wants, it's His. And it's His to do with what He wants. I am merely a steward to manage what's His. Right, when you read about the early church in the book of Acts, chapter two, um, we, we read about how the people they, they brought all their possessions together, right? And they laid them down to, to meet the needs of the ministry, right? The needs of the believer there at the church. And when you read that at first, right, it, it sounds very much like like uh, communism or socialism, like some form of it. Right? But the, the difference there is that nobody was forcing them to do it, right? They were willingly doing this, right? And everybody worked. Right? You didn't have some people working and some people not. Right, If you didn't work, you didn't eat. Right? They were doing this. They were willingly bringing things together to meet the needs of the ministry, right? to meet the needs of the people. So question for thought here this morning is, how would God have me to serve him and to minister to others with the provisions that he's given me? Right? How would God have me to serve him and to minister to others with the provisions he's given me? All right, the last man that we're going to look at here this morning, this is uh, Archippus. Right, I his I, I I had to look this up. I, I wanted to pronounce it Archippus, um, but it's Archippus. And he is what I what I've called the entrusted man. Now, now next week, I've asked uh, Mark. He's going to give us a short little devotional out of uh, the charge that that Paul gives Archippus here. But I want to at least introduce you to him this morning. Um, his name means master of horses. I. I don't really know how to tie that to, to what we're looking at, but I'm at least presenting it to you, telling you like there's things I don't know, um, lots I don't know. But um, So here's what we know about him, right? Paul calls him a fellow soldier, fellow soldier. right In his acts, Right, we know that he was part of the church at Colossae, and he was likely a member of Philemon's family. You see that in Philemon chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Um, from what Paul says here in Colossians 4.17, we glean that he took over the church at Colossae following Epaphras' departure to Rome. So he would have been kind of the next pastor or leader of the church there at Colossae. So what can we learn from him? Right? What can we learn from Archippus? And uh, the thing that God showed me is that ministry is given by the Lord. All right, ministry is given by the Lord. It's not something that we fabricate. It's not something that we make up for ourselves. It's given by God and it's for the glory of God. Right, God gives it to us as his stewards and as his stewards, we ought to be faithful to take heed to it, to guard it and to fulfill it. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul says, take heed to the ministry unto yourselves, to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5 he says but watch thou in all things endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry so question here this morning is what ministry has God given me and am I careful to fulfill it Right, what is the ministry that God has given me and am I careful to fulfill it? Now, big picture, right We know that, that the ministry that God has given all of us is the ministry of reconciliation. right We see that in Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18, right? It's the ministry of, of going out and reconciling the lost world to Christ through the preaching of the gospel. okay But what specifically, has God given unto me, or what specifically has God called me to, and am I careful to fulfill it? You know, I um, I'm gonna I'm gonna brag on him. I know this is gonna embarrass him. Um, I was taking a class in LFBI this semester, and Pastor Morgan taught uh, the second to last class, and he taught from a perspective of uh, an associate pastor, right? And um, he pointed out that you know what. The the ministry that God given him his his chief role wasn't to get up and to lead the church uh, on Sunday mornings right it wasn't to be the guy that, that stood up and spoke every Sunday morning right so that you the whole church gets to constantly hear Kenny preach right the ministry that God give, had given him was to serve Sam in whatever capacity that Sam needed. Right, And so that meant if Sam needed Kenny to go out and set up meetings, that's what Kenny was going to do. If Sam needed Kenny to lead a fellowship, that's what he was going to do. If Sam needed Kenny to to lead discipleship, that was what he was going to do. The ministry that God had given him for the glory of God was to serve Sam in whatever capacity Sam needed, right? And that was an incredibly just humbling message for me, right? Right. that, that, that to see Kenny, I mean a, a pastor guy that all of us look up to very much and and a guy that man, any church would be thrilled to have Kenny Morgan leading over a church as a senior pastor. but you know what God's put him here, God has him under Sam, and you know what he's faithfully serving in. He's faithful to fulfill the ministry that God's called him to. right? And all of us should be the same in whatever capacity that God has us, right? Again, whether, whether you're up here on Sunday mornings, whether you're in main service, whether you're part of the, the AV team back here, whether you're part of the hospitality team, the, the ladies passing out the food up front, the people serving down in Kid Town, I mean, you name it, wherever God has us, right? God has given you a ministry, right? And through that ministry, you know what? We ought to be ministers of reconciliation, but we ought to be faithful to serve where God has us, right? To take heed to the ministry that God has given us and to fulfill it. All right, Father, thank you so much for this morning. Um, again, I just thank you for the characters in your word. Lord, just going through these guys and, and seeing Justice the Comforter, um, seeing Luke the physician, God, just how he used the things that you had given him to, to minister unto you, to see Epaphras, Lord, the, the servant leader. God, He He how he just humbled himself and laid down his life to serve Paul and to meet Paul's needs, Lord, and then to think about Demas and to think, man, how he started off right and he started off strong, and yet, Lord, his love for the world, it drew him away. And, Lord, we do pray against that, um, though that temptation is ever there. Lord, we, we pray that, that God, our, our, our love and our affections would be on the things above, Lord, to consider men like like Nymphis um, and just how he was hospitable, but how he opened up his home and he used the, the possessions that you had given him to bless and to minister to the church and, and this last man, Archippus, Lord, to, to think, thank God you have given each one of us a ministry. Lord, you've allowed us to be part of the work that you're doing here on earth. And, man, we're so grateful for that. We're so undeserving of that in every way possible. And yet, Lord, you have allowed it. Father, I, I pray for your blessing over us, that, that, Lord, we would take heed in the ministry which you've given us, that, Father, you would continue to work in and through us, to get the most glory out of our lives, to conform us to the image of Christ, Lord, to share that ministry of reconciliation um, with every single person that we meet. Again, Lord, I I just thank you so much for these examples. Lord, your word is so rich. I mean, we've just touched the surface on on some of these guys. And, And even though there's just a few words said about them, Lord, you say so much. And I just thank you for that, Lord. I ask for your blessing as we go forth today. And give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Christ's name, amen.